gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back after a week off. Something like that. I don't know. And excited to talk to you for the next hour or so. We got Juan Archuleta, former Bellator Bantamweight champion. He's going to be fighting at Bellator 286. We'll talk to him. We'll go over all the latest news from the past week or so. Like I said, it's been about a week since we were here. But, geez, it only felt like a couple days that we were gone. Hopefully you guys missed us. I'm wondering if Junkie Nation missed us. Did you miss them? Uh, I did. I always miss Junkie Nation. I get a little antsy if we're not like if we're not doing something. It just doesn't. It feels weird. I would agree. So thank you first of all to everyone that reached out. You know, Goes and I are three days apart on our birthdays, so I guess I can say on behalf of him, or he can speak up himself. But you know, I saw the messages that came into him and. The ones that came into me, we're very grateful for you all. Uh, it was a fun few days off, and now we're back to get you know back at it again. There was no UFC, but you know the other organizations had stuff going on, and plus there's just news all the way around. So we're gonna go through all that, and then we'll talk to the Spaniard as well. Like I said, goes. Uh, I would say one of the biggest news. I'm just gonna float around here, but it's been a few days. Is Aspen Lad. So what are we, about 10 days away since she missed weight? Then we all kind of waited, held our breath for a few days. And it turns out she's no longer with the UFC. Dana White said that needed to happen. He was very complimentary about her as a person. He said she's very talented as an athlete, but you just got to make weight. Now, the only thing I could think about was, and now that we got like, almost 30 years of history of the sport, you know, can you retain it at all? But I'm sure there's been athletes that have missed three times. Lineker had to have missed more than three times. You know, Mackenzie Dern, Lisa Hudo had a few of those, but regardless, there had to have been athletes that missed before, similar to Mackenzie Dern, sorry, to Aspen Lad, that didn't get cut. However, Aspen Lad did have one out that the others, I guess, maybe did or didn't. So I'm going to tie it into two stories, if you will. I thought Aspen Land, what they should have told her was like, girl, your days at 35 are over. However, we do have 145. We've done a couple seasons of tough trying to get more 45ers. Some have hung around. Most of them have gone to 35. Some aren't even with the organization. Some float back and forth. But we got that, you know. And we're fairly confident you can make it there. That's your new home. But don't mess that one up. They didn't give her that, you know. And so, sure, Dern went to 25. Now she's back at 15. Uh, Lineker went up to 35. Hell, I think he even beat Sanhagen. I think that's one of the skins on his wall. Sanhagen maybe fun. Lineker's a beast out at one, by the way. <laughs> like, that guy's no joke. 
I'll check his record just to make sure. I don't like to talk out of my ass, but he's got great wins at 25 and 35. But he he had that option, right? Uh, and so for for the UFC, you would have thought. So so for Lineker and and Dern, this is what I'm trying to say is, it wasn't as beneficial for them because oh, I got to fight a bigger person, you know, because I'm struggling to make weight, which I guess is the same with Lad. However, um. This benefits the UFC. See, the UFC didn't need another bantamweight or another flyweight. They weren't like, oh, yes. Now we're rounding out our flyweight division with Dern and Lineker and or so whatever. None of that was happening. But here it benefited the UFC to go, yes, we got another 45er. Let's, let's sign maybe someone from PFL that doesn't make it next season. Now we're up to eight or 10, and boom, we're back. The show gets going again. Similar to flyweight. The way flyweight they sent Demetrius, cut a couple cats. Didn't resign a couple cats. I mean, they were down like six or eight, it seemed like. And now it's revived and it's burgeoning. But with flyweight, again, it benefited the UFC and the athlete, and it didn't happen. So two things. A, what did you think of the cut? And B, is the writing on the wall, women's featherweight is probably done soon? The cut, I understand where he's coming from. I think he could have... uh had her fight at 45, but you're right. Not doing that says a lot. I think what the difference is, George, is a lot of these people that you brought up, Dern and Lineker and all them, Cejudo, is they may have missed weight, but they've still been able to fight, right? So, like, um, it's at a catch weight or something like that. As where when Aspen's been missing weight, that was a lot of bad publicity for them that time when she was shaken. Remember, she wasn't looking; she looked like she was about to pass out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she just hasn't been able to fight afterwards. So you still have to pay her opponent for nothing, uh, and you lose a fight on the card. And she's done it to a couple people now. So I think that's maybe why they decided to, to let her go. But you know, the thing is, you, like, you let her go, but she can always come back. You know, all she has to do is make weight and win a couple fights and. She can come back. Um, Dana didn't seem like she hated her or anything like that. But, yeah, I think the writing could be on the wall because you're right. That would make the most sense. Just tell her to go up, and that's you. That's you from now on. And the writing being on the wall also tells me that maybe Amanda's told them, I got this amount of fights left, which she almost told us in her performance versus uh, Juliana Pena the first time around. But then it seemed like she... Revived herself a little bit. She looked excellent in the uh, rematch. Waxed Juliana Pena. Waxed her so bad that nobody's going, when's the third one? You know, like, you can all wait on that one. Mm-hmm. And But the whole thing about her being, you know, a champ champ, like, epic. She don't even need it anymore. She's the women's GOAT. She's been a champ champ now for a few years. Like, it's undisputable. You know what I mean? And <clears throat> she, the only reason to fight at 45 at this point is, yeah, sure, it's another title defense, and she doesn't have to lose as much weight. Cool. But it seems like the bread and butter of, of what's left of her career, of what I'd like to see from Amanda Nunes, is probably fight Vieta, fight Aldana, and fight Shashenko a third time. And mm-hmm. I think you can sail off in the sunset because she's already beaten Cyborg. Now, of course, throw Kayla Harrison in there. Yes, I'd love to see that. That would be epic, too, if she had four left in her. But if somebody were to go, well, what about uh, 
Dumont, Norma Dumont, you know, or what about Macy Chasson at 145? I mean, I think I'd go like, I'm cool. How about you? Yeah. yeah, I mean, those are the only fights that are really left for her. Maybe the UFC keeps that around because they just want to kind of give their girl an edge over the other two that are barking over at PFL and Bellator. It is nice to be a champ champ. But I think that that ship has kind of sailed off as well. She accomplished it. Good for her. But, uh, yeah, I only see a couple fights left for her anyway. And without her, uh, that division just makes zero sense. It should go away. So now for Aspen Ladd, Bellator only has flyweight. Sorry. Yeah, flyweight with Liz Carmouche at the top. And Bantamweight with... Alaska's at the top. No. <laughs> Sorry. 45. with uh, Yeah, they don't have a 35. 45 with Cyborg, who's, I guess, technically a free agent, although they're cheering for her. And by the way, she got a win in boxing the other day. But they're cheering for her. They are, you know, they're on Team Cyborg over there. Um, so Aspen could go there. And they have some pretty, you know, they have a few more bodies over there in their featherweight division. Or she could go to PFL. And really get the luxury of not having to lose probably any weight at all. I can't imagine Aspen Ladd walks around more than 156 or 155. And, uh, you know, they cut some big checks. Mm -hmm. And um, it'd be an interesting test over there, right, to do that. I would probably advise her to do PFL just because, um, you know, that's a big check for her to win over there. And... I don't know that she's going to really accomplish much going over to Bellator. And then PFL, you could always just do one season, be done, and, and go somewhere else, right? But once you're at Bellator, you might be locked in. Now, Bellator is one of those organizations that is kind to their fighters and does allow them to do things. But I would go straight to PFL and see if you can't win that money. One last thing, and then I'll put it to rest. Um, did the UFC miss the boat? By somehow not by by somehow not keeping Cyborg, and not signing Kayla Harrison, where they could have that trio that I talked about, Nunez, Harrison, and Cyborg, could have maybe fought each other for years. Just different combinations of them. The same way we've seen Rose and Carla twice, Rose and Andrade twice, uh, Rose and Joanna twice. You know, Joanna and Zhang Wei Li twice, <laughs> and like you know what I mean. Like they've done great with those strawweights. You know, it's just kind of like while well, Rodriguez and Dern and the rest of them are going, what about us? Like, there's just this tight, they had this tight foursome at the top with Joanna, Jean Wei Rose, and Andrade. Then Andrade, like I said, moved around a little bit. And uh, and now Esparza's in there and Joanna's retired, so they still have a fearsome foursome. But do you think the UFC will look back and regret that maybe that could have been what propelled and got more people going in, in that division? I don't think so, because. If Cyborg rematches with Amanda and loses again, now you you have somebody signed on your roster that really doesn't have too much value. She's just going to pick off all your other contenders. So I think they might have made the right decision there. And then um, with what Kayla she Harris, Yeah, if she won, well, then you have hey, a trilogy. One of the biggest female trilogies ever. Yeah. Um, with Kayla Harrison, I believe if you would have signed her, I don't think she could have gotten out of those early fights, you know, where she was not padding her record, but you know, trying to establish herself. I think somebody in the UFC would have got her. Um, the UFC doesn't have the type of roster where you could just 
And uh, at forty-five, Taylor Harrison. Yeah, I think somebody would have got her. I think she would have been beaten Megan Anderson. I think uh, one of them girls would have gone up or something. Somebody would have got her. I don't know, man. She seems very physically strong, and and you got to remember that's Kayla at one forty-five, right? She's gonna lose some of that. Maybe. Who knows? But I, I think the UFC is gonna maybe regret that they didn't do something with that that those three fighters because. Kayla and Cyborg go at it all the time on social media. Amanda moved out of the gym because she was uncomfortable with Kayla at a certain point. And then I don't remember Cyborg and Amanda Nunes pretty much despising each other, but I felt like that could have been something, especially if Cyborg even the score. I don't know. That was her chance for women's featherweight to really, really pop. But for now, I guess we'll we'll leave it to the side and – Aspen Land, yeah, I guess those are her options. I don't know. I think if she goes to 55 at PFL, it doesn't look like Harrison wants to do much of the, not tournament, but the regular season and the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. it'll just be a fight, a fight that awaits her. And if she loses it, then (laughs) I I guess now she can get into the regular season or something like that. And if she wins it, wow, that really crushes the PFL. I think she'll wind up at Bellator. I think she'll just get consistent fights there. Um, Bellator is based in San Jose. She's based in in another city in Northern California, just east of San Jose. And I think sometimes they kind of seem to have a good little connection there with a lot of the fighters from Northern California. I don't know. All right. Uh, Dana White Contender Series, five more in goes, and the season's over. Bo Nickel was one of them. Thoughts? You know, this this series kind of lost a little steam for me this year because uh, there was no mystery to it anymore. You had no idea what was going on. Uh, the last couple of years, what was so fun was at the end just kind of talking to the guy next to you and, and going over your notes. This guy, this guy, this guy, right? Yeah. And you were usually on board with the UFC. But this year was just kind of like they were letting anybody in. I can't, I can't even remember how many weeks it was. All five of you were in. It just took away a little bit of the mystery of it. Um, I wasn't into it as much this year as, as I have been in years in the past. Yeah, I like that too. I liked how we would actually discuss and sometimes argue, are you crazy? Winner number three, you know, he looked better. Dana, he, you know, Dana stood up and applauded. Yeah, but he didn't get the finish. Fight number one, so-and-so got the finish. Hey, so-and-so, come over here, break the tie. We would all be discussing this in the old UFC gym trying to figure it out, sweating our balls off because it was hot in that gym. They had no AC before they moved to the beautiful Apex Center or Apex Arena, whatever it's called. And, yeah, that would be part of the intrigue was Dana White would make a decision and then boom. It's almost comparable to if they were to do tough and they say, okay, all 16 of you, you know, you're all flyweights. Four of you are going to be the champ, you know, or or three of you are going to be champions captains at the end of the season you'll all get contracts no everyone's always gunning for one i thought that because because you okay here's what i'm getting at that was part of like having athleticism competition sporting events mixed with reality show that's what i liked about it because technically goes let's say you and i are fighting right different cats and they go george you got the contract and goes goes damn I really wanted that UFC contract. And so now 
There's nothing that says you can't just hang your head, go eat a bowl of cereal, you know, down in the dumps for about a week, and then all of a sudden your manager calls you and goes, guess what, goes? They need you, man, in New York. Will you be ready? And you just go, yeah, where do I sign? What's to stop any of that from happening, right, if they really, really need you or want you? Yeah, dude, it was silly, yeah. Bo Nickel was great to watch. Like, you can tell how much they like him already. And um, I think he will be a star for the UFC. He called out Hamzat Shemaev. And, look, props for doing it. Props for even throwing your name out to a challenge like that at all. So young into his career. I don't know if he beats him, but I bet you he gives him a decent fight. That dude's going to be something special, man. I agree. And I also appreciate the call out because he probably knows he's not going to get it. So he doesn't have to worry about a pie in the face just yet. And already he's got the attention of Darren Till, who's, you know, a fellow Smesh brother with Hamza Shemaev. So that could be a little pipeline. Remember how Meatball Molly McCann said, I respect the hell out of them both, but I want Antonina Shoshenko. She knows that's a pipeline mm-hmm. towards. Valentina Shoshenko at some point. So that was brilliantly played, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, with Bo Nickel, I think he's just saying, like, what are we waiting for? Uh, you know, I'm pretty legit. Let's get going. So I really, really enjoyed the call out. I, you know, in, in the, at the end, it, it probably was just a UFC strategy to have Bo Nickel fight on the season finale because he appears to be a little bit of a draw. There's some buzz around him. So that probably helped their ratings out. But what what sucked for Dana and why we're busting his chops is because he said, I just don't think he's ready yet after a flawless performance a few months ago. Now, had Nickel struggled, then he could have said, yes, I can say that. Well, he struggled a little bit. Let's get one more at the end of the season, and then we'll see if he's in. But he actually smashed his guy. That guy was 3-0, and Bo was only 1-0 when he fought him. So the matchmaking was fair. What's he doing there? You know, especially when you're giving five contracts out every other week. Why are you leaving this kid out? It turned out he probably was just a draw for somewhere at the end of the season. But, I, you know, he's been saying all week, this thing's killing it. We're going on big SPN. So I don't think it all hinged on having Bo Nickel on the final night. Right. And if that's their plan, I get it. But you're selling us something else. You know, you're, you're telling us every week. These guys have a shot to make it. But if you're already coming in with the plan that no matter what this guy does, whether he smashes or, or just gets by, he's not going to get a contract. Well, then what are we watching for? Yeah, exactly. But anyway, all right. So contender series done. We'll have to wait about a year until they do it again. I would prefer that it ends before – college and pro football and high school football start honestly i think it's more of a summer thing i like it there we have the apex center and so it's nice and air conditioned we don't have to worry about those hot hot fights boy they were brutal in the old gym but anyway um congrats to all the winners i don't think we need that many people on the ufc roster to tell you the truth unless they're expanding to 15 fights per night i, I don't know the I just, I when I talk to the managers, they're like, "Man, uh, my guys, are, my guys and gals are begging for fights. I can't get in." Um. Anyway, yes, that 
All right. But I, I, I do love Contender Series. I stick by it. I think I, I prefer that to Tough. Watching Tough the last few years wasn't painful at all. No, I won't say that. But I don't think you need to put people in a house and make them fight exhibition fights and have them cut those, you know, wait like on a Tuesday and then like the following Friday you're fighting again and you do it again and all those times in six weeks. Remember, you had to fight to get in the house and I don't know. What what I do like about it and I do subscribe to is every probably 9 out of 10, 19 out of 20 fighters I've ever talked to them about it, like for an extended time, have told me I did get better. Great coaching, great food. Didn't have to worry about anything. My phone was turned off, my iPad, my laptop. It's all at home or whatever. And I just focused on getting better. That worked. So it seemed like it was some training camp up in the mountains, you know. I think it was uh, Yessa or Dennis Hallman or something. They'd say, oh, man, okay, you want me to do the interview? Okay, I'm going to have to come down the mountain. Remember where they were? That secluded. It was like that type of a deal. That that I can understand, I guess. If it was Kiesa. Yeah, I was one of them cats. They just have no coverage and they're they're really secluded and you know, so that that part I I do see but nah, the Dana White contender series is it. The the one thing Dana White contender series finally needs is that payoff and what I'm getting at is they have no champion yet. O'Malley, Hill, none of them guys or gals have become champion yet. In tough, the first champion would have been was it Griffin Evans? Yeah, well, Griffin, no, Rashad beat Griffin, I think, to win the title. And Rashad lost it to Shogun? Holy cow, I'm about to go back and look how that went down. But those were some of the early champions. Bisping won a years later, TJ Dillashaw won a years later, Juliana Payne won a years later. But I don't They're going to have Hall of Famers. Huh? They're going to have Hall of Famers. Or they yeah. already have Hall of Famers if you, if you count, like, Diego Sanchez, right, for getting in for a fight. Yeah. So, yeah, they're... they're they're really far ahead right now. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if one of those big, big bookie houses happens to have odds on who will be the first Dana White Contender Series alum to win a world title. Oof. My money's on Hill. I know a lot of people love them, yeah. so O'Malley. If O'Malley beats Peter Yan, it's going to be hard for the UFC not to feature him in the title fight. You also have like like Adrian Yanez, you know, you have some other fighters out there that are doing well for themselves. But um if O'Malley doesn't beat Yan, how is it not probably Jamal Hill? He seems to be further ahead in the pecking order. Yeah, and you gotta look at the division too, right? Like O'Malley's division's a wreck. I mean, everybody's a monster there. Jamal Hill could could get a loss and still be back in title contention with like one win. So he's always going to be around there and he matches up well with the champ. So yeah, that's probably the best, your best bet. All right. Right now our best bet is to get to the guest. Let's talk to Juan Archuleta. Who's going to be fighting at Bellator 286, which goes down uh, Saturday, October 1st. Of course, Showtime's got you covered for that. Check it out. It's really a deep card with a title fight at the top of the bill. Pitbull Frady versus Adam Borks. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another MMA superstar. We get to talk to Juan Archuleta, the Spaniard 
former Bellator Bantamweight champion. He competes on October 1st in Long Beach, California. Take it in, man. It's Bellator 286. It is stacked with a lot of talent. If you can't make it, of course, you know, Showtime's got you covered. It is a Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern start time, 7 p.m. on the West Coast. What's going on, Juan? How are you? What's up, big dog? I'm doing good, man. Super excited. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you guys' time. Thank you, sir. Uh, appreciate you. Wanted to ask you, man, you know, want, uh, excuse me, Enrique Barzola, you saw him compete uh, in recently, you know, in that Grand Prix as well. Did pretty, did pretty good, but I wanted to ask you, what stood out for you in his most recent fight or whatever footage you've been watching as something like, okay, I got to watch out for that? Yeah, I mean, one of his first fights was against Darian Caldwell, who he was a previous champ as well, NCAA former champion. And then uh, to be able to finish him, I was like, oh, wow, this guy's going to uh, – it would be nice to have him in the tournament. And then when he entered the tournament for the pigtails, he fought the day before me in Hawaii and won. I was like, he's a dark horse. He's definitely going to have a chance to make the final. Someone I, I'm probably going to end up fighting. And then Magomedov just exposed him, uh, or he exposed Magomedov on his stand-up and was just annihilating him until he took a bad shot and then got caught in a guillotine. It was like, man, like winning the whole fight and then getting caught. I mean, I understood what he was going through because it happened in my last fight. But I'm excited for this fight because it's going to be two guys that are very offensive. The last two guys I fought were very defensive, sat back and tried to wait and play the point game and just, you know, we're just sitting back. This guy's going to bring the heat with me and the fans are in for one of the four main event fights that could be uh, coming into that night. Well, you know, exactly what I was going to tell you is what we told him because we had him on yesterday. And that's like, boy, sometimes you can actually be pretty proud of a loss, you know, like because you fight well and it may not go your way, but when you reach a certain level, all it takes is one mistake, and I'm sure there's a lot that you gained from that last fight, even though it didn't go your way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, my game plan was there. Everything was there. I've blocked that kick over, I don't know how many times in my career, probably a million, right? And then you look back, you're like, why now? Like, why does something like that happen? But it, was, it wasn't something that he did because he went to go throw a body kick. Like, all his kicks were levels at my body that I, were, I was blocking over and over. And I think I just slowed him down so much that the, it took such a delay to get there because my hands were here and everything was braced back here to be ready to catch the shin. And then once I... I had to like lean farther and farther and then hit the frontal lobe of my brain. And then I thought I countered, I went to throw and I just felt everything dim in. And then I was like, Oh shit. And then, uh, next, you know, Mike Beltran's, uh, you know, has his knee on my chest and he's pulling off Rafi. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like I was, I was still here, but you know, thanks for stopping it. Like in further damage, you know, to be able to bounce back and now fight a guy like Enrique. I'm super stoked. Yeah, and it does sound like you're definitely taking him as serious as possible, and he equally paid you a lot of compliments. But, you know, what's funny is sometimes when you reach the top of the of the game like you have, if someone's knocked off the perch, it takes a lot, man, to to get back there. And this may sound funny, but I thought you looked better in your last fight than in some of your fights leading up to the title, which means you're continually getting better and you still have that hunger. Now, he hasn't reached the top like you have, he probably has a different type of hunger. How, how about you, man? Have you been able to uh, reacquire, I guess, that thirst for the title like you had as you were trying to become champion the first time? 
getting the trajectory up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, right now I'm super blessed because I have all my, uh, well, most of my training partners back, but my number one training partner is TJ. And man, talk about accountability. Like <laughs> this dude ha makes you sh make sure you're accountable for every practice that you're running through with him, every play, every, like anything you could think of de defensively, offensively, getting the takedown, forcing you to work through those situations. You know, me and him are a, a very unique dynamic on being able to have training partners that hold each other accountable, as well as Cub Swanson, you know, because Cub getting ready down to go down 135 pounds uh, weight class for the, his next up and coming fight. Just having those type of guys that hold you accountable going into this fight now, uh, I think it's going to speak volume coming into my performance because, you know, I didn't get to have them my last two fights and uh, it showed, you know, I mean, it, it, it was a little detrimental not having them there, but now to be able to continue to grow and continue to take the forward steps that I need to in my career, like, you know, it's just one step at a time. And that's what this, um, this life in MMA has shown me. So I'm excited for this next fight. Juan, you've worn gold. You've been in some big, big fights. What motivates you nowadays to continue to be a prize fighter? Is it chasing that gold? Is it chasing the bag like a lot of fighters would say? Or do you have other things that uh, keep you, you know, wanting to stay sharp and, and, and trying to be the best? For me, it's the platform, honestly. Like uh, being able to have the platform to show people that need second chances. Uh, because of my life, you know, I was at Purdue University, uh, became ineligible my senior year when I was ranked number two in the country, and then spending a year in prison uh, really helped change my way of thinking and being able to be appreciative. Uh, now working with a company called ARC, um, who's an anti-recidivism correlation, who show jail prison reform and giving people second chances and you know it's part of my story it's part of you know one of my oldest brothers who's been incarcerated for 22 years just got released about 33 days ago um and being able to fight for those type of people and show that there's redemption there's rehabilitation there and being a voice for them that's that's why i fight for it's the platform and be able to give that story and be able to be impactful and take them a, a gold belt, a real gold belt, such as Bellator's, and being able to hold the weight of it and them see it and be like, man, you were in prison and then came out and won this. Like, that's insane. Like, and it's like, no, you could do the same. Like, you have a world championship you could go obtain. Like, you just have to find it, right? Like, go out there and go get it. So that's that's the reason why I fight. And that's why I'm motivated every fight to go out there and do my best. Juan, you always have such a, a positive uh, attitude. And I think it's the people that you surround yourself with. And one of them you brought up, Cub Swanson. You guys have a lot of similar traits. And one of them, I mean, Cub Swanson at this point in his career, to want to give 135 a try, like that guy never takes the easy road for anything. And you're very similar. You don't ever take the easy road for anything as well. So this training camp, everything uh, physically and mentally, how many changes were made and, and, and how did you adjust to the situation? Honestly, there was no, I was getting so much better. And I, and like you, like George said, I, I, I proved it in my last fight. Like I proved how much better I am getting at the sport. Like I was young. I, I, I didn't have no amateur fights. I was barely starting in MMA. Like uh, when I had my first fight, it, like I had no sparring going into my first fight. So really coming into my own now, all I did was wrestle. I never even really got in street fights when I was uh, younger. It was just like my wife said, hey, you should fight. And I was like, all right, like <laughs> I definitely want to compete, you know. And so taking that route and 
just continuing getting better and now honing in with Tiki Gosen and Paul Herrera, who spent so much time with me the last year and a half to kind of slow me down and like, let's work back on the fundamentals because you have a great arsenal with TJ style and Cub Swanson style. Let's mesh those two together and go back to the basics and make it your own now. So really coming into my own and having those guys have my back and show up every day. So I have those training partners to hold me accountable. I mean, that's, that's where the change has been, honestly. And so, uh, it's just getting better day by day and, and being able to be a, a training partner for my, my, my best friends and some of uh, the best guys in the world, the best fighters in the world. I think accountability is something that I think about when this matchup was announced, because both of you are going to be accountable for one thing. I know you guys trained your ass off. I know you guys have a good game plan, but I feel like the second you guys clash, man, you guys are going to go the hell at it, and somebody's <laughs> going to have to hold you two back and go, we had a game plan. How, how do you feel, man, Barzola? You know how he fights. We know how you fight. What's going to happen here, man? Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole time, I mean, that's what's nice about having TJ back is because there's times like that when we're competing against each other in the gym because, again, we both have two fights coming up back-to-back, even Cub Swanson, right? And it's just like accountability, like, okay, you guys are just throwing caution to the wind right now. Let's slow the fuck down and let's like get you guys to control yourself and stick to your game plan on what you're going out there trying to do. So having those type of training partners helps keep you accountable for what you're doing and, and the practices and continue to remind you and having the coaches there to continue to remind you and hearing their voice is just like trigger points. I'm like, okay, be accountable. Hold myself accountable. Like that's what's going to uh, pay the difference in this fight for me. What will this fight be for? Be like for you in Long Beach? You know, you're a SoCaler, just like us. We live in Vegas now, but we're former SoCalers. But I can imagine it's it's gonna there's gonna be a, a large entourage for the Spaniard. Yeah, I'm definitely too uh, happy to be back fighting in California. I mean, California is my home, right? Like I'm born and raised here. Like people love to come watch me fight. I put on a show. I think the only time I didn't have a show in California that I put on was against Henry. Uh, But again, we had knocked the hell out of each other. We had hit each other with some bombs and we're both like made us nervous to cross that barrier. But I think with this fight, you're going to see such high volume that the crowd's going to be so into it. And we're going to be getting standing ovations on, you know, me finishing him in the third round. And just to clear a couple of things up that you said, it was basically your wife that nudged you into being a professional fighter uh, or. Yeah, I mean, we we uh, my wife and I grew up together junior high and then started dating in our senior year in high school. And then so she's been part of like my whole wrestling career and then seeing me get a job after coming back out of college. Uh, seeing how miserable I was working a nine to five, she's like, you know, you should just go compete. And I was like, well, if I go down that route, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a lot of sacrifice and self-serving deals that sometimes I'm going to be gone at months at a time, weeks at a time. And, uh, you know, having our first two kids, it was just like, is this what I want? And then having Joe Daddy uh, be able to create opportunity for me with the show Kingdom, it obviously led me diving deeper into the sport and being able to give my all. And then from there, it was no turning back from there. I had won four King of the Cage titles and uh, three other titles throughout there in the lower organizations. And then it built me up to who I was. Man, that's awesome. And then the last thing um, I wanted to also make sure I got it clear myself. And I know for our audience, you said one of your brothers that was incarcerated 
Did you mean um, like relative brother or just a, a a fellow brother like like you stated? No, like my my blood brother who who oh. was incarcerated when I was probably like maybe fifth grade. You know, well, twenty two years ago. Right now, and I'm thirty five. So, yeah, but no, he just he he'll be able to come to the fight. He's just been released, and yeah, I mean that's like a a big step for our family, right? And like something that was like a heavy burden going into my last fight because he was up for parole going into my last fight, and it was just like so much stress and so much like part of this brain was over here and part of this brain was over here on a title fight, and it's just like come on, man, like, and then you know, and that's why like for me it's all about energies and like the way things happen in the universe, and it was like look at it if it took for me to get knocked out on public television to pay the price for my brother's sins i do it every day i I take that that lump and that bruise for every day right it's just like and to have him home and see his excitement and have him pour back into me and uh, my family and everything like that i mean he's been working his ass off the show rehabilitation and it's just awesome to see you know it's awesome to have him around man that's so cool you know i'm sure you're both inspiring each other and now, you know, on October 1st, you'll get to do that. You know, you'll get to see you do your yes. job in person. That's going to be yeah. tremendous. So yeah, that's great for uh, you and your family and for him as well. So yeah, um, man, thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, and, yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you for the time today. We appreciate it. I know the fight's getting close. You're probably doing a lot of media, but we always appreciate the fighters stopping by and Whatever camp you have left, the weight cut, may it all be a success and you have the best night possible on October 1st. Yeah, thank you. And thank you guys for taking the time reaching out to me and having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, goes, it's not easy to tell a fighter, hey, in that last fight you lost, you looked great, pal. Um, but I think he knew it. He really did look good, you know, and, and that Grand Prix was fun to watch. Uh, it just, you know, didn't go his way, but... I saw improvements, and I think he, you know, has a good chance on Saturday. He just has to tweak a couple things, you know? He's not one of those guys that has to completely reinvent himself. But he owns up to all his mistakes, so it's hard to hate hate on a guy like that. That said, Barzola also looked good before he lost. You know, so this one's going to be all about, like, who continued to improve, I guess. The NorCaler or the SoCaler? Barzola's up at AKA. Archuleta's down in Southern California. Barzola originally from Peru. But yeah, Marcheletta's from the Victorville area, if I'm not mistaken. And that's why that Joe Stevenson reference comes out. But um, who do you like in that fight? Who'd you turn in as your uh, staff pick? I believe I turned in Archuleta. I think I did. Um, sometimes there is. Huh? Peru be damned, huh? Uh, I mean, I picked them in the last fight. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I, you know, both guys seem like pretty decent fellas, but if I'm keeping it real, I think Archuleta will probably win. Neither guy's going to tire. I wish it was five rounds, to be honest, but I think Archuleta's going to dig you know eke out a 29 28 win i don't think they're gonna i don't i don't think either guy's gonna finish the other guy but um i that doesn't mean that i despise barcelona i i, I root for the peruvians to do well the latinos to do well um but in this case you got 
two cool dudes, man. May they just have a great fight. My parlay for that night is Pitbull, McKee, Archuleta. What do you think of that? I guess it's chalk. When you say Pitbull against who? Because I don't know if you can put the McKees and the Pitbulls in the same area. They might have another fight backstage. Yeah, no, I meant against Borix. <laughs> uh, I would say, yeah, you're right, because the other Pitbull's always hanging around. What did you think of the Queeley fight this past weekend against Benson Henderson? Let's let's, let's move up onto that. Eh, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but... Um, I don't know. Like, what does it say? You know, the fight. Like, what what are we getting out of this? I love that they go overseas. I love that. Um, they're going into different markets. But every time I see Bellator talking to these big free agents, like, even, you know, even the little hint of we're talking to Nate Diaz, I'm like, man, don't give Nate Diaz all that money. Just get a bunch of, of veterans and uh, and replenish these guys like Benson Henderson that you signed that, just kind of didn't pan out too well. Um, give us something to cheer about. The card was just okay. The Queeley walkout was pretty epic, and I'm not much of a Sinead O'Connor fan or whatever, but it, it was pretty epic. It was fun to watch. And Benson, guess what goes? He went to a decision, kind of like he always does, but he actually fought an exciting fight for, for once. Now, was it a barn burner? No. But I thought he just had great cardio, and he was going for, you know, he, he had different techniques and moves that looked like he was trying to build towards a finish. You can tell when a fighter's doing that and when a fighter's just maybe controlling or winning rounds or surviving or whatever. That wasn't the case this time with Benson Henderson. But... uh you know, it was cool. It was an afternoon affair. That was I as well. So, yeah. We move on. on. Friday, you know, we just turn the page and we move on. I can't say, I give it a D, but I'm also not giving it, in, giving it an A. It's either a B- minus or C- plus for me. Did you like the fact that it was on a Friday during the day? In a way, yeah, because it doesn't interfere with, kind of clears up your night, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I like that they shook it up a little bit. Maybe that's a perfect night to capture new fans in Europe, in the UK, other parts of the world, if it, you know, works out with the time changes. So I think it's always great to, to try new stuff. I remember I used to laugh at the Thursday night college football game maybe 30 years ago when it first started. I was like, what are they doing? Come on, you guys are trying to be Monday night and shit. I was used to Saturday's college, Sunday's pros, and then we got Monday Night Football, which I guess is also pros. And then that Thursday night college game, boy, it blew up. You know, mm -hmm. happy hour, the game was on, something to bet on, something to cheer for, if it happened to be your team every once in a while. Now we got a Friday night football or college football game, and then Tuesday night, there's a Tuesday night college football. I think Tuesday night's usually the Miami of Ohio's or whatever. It's usually this little conference out there. In that area that uh, that monopolizes, you know, Tuesday nights, but it works out. You know, it kind of works out. So it, I guess maybe if you can apply that the, that that uh, blueprint for MMA, sure, try it. 
You know where I think they got that a little bit? Well, where they borrowed back and forth is pro wrestling. When when remember Saturday night's main event, and then all of a sudden uh, you know, you have your Monday night Raw, and then after a while you see how many people tune into that, and you go, how about Thursday night SmackDown? And I think everybody just kind of follows that recipe. It tends to work, and yeah, I'm I mean I'm, I'm starting to dig it a little bit more. The Thursday night game, the Sunday night game. I'm kind of burned out by that one, but uh, I think I like the Thursday night game better. Get this, goes The Sunday night football game, if I'm not mistaken, might be the highest rated show on all of television. Did you know that? A couple years ago I heard that, yeah. Yeah. Of everything. So, and, and now that I think about it, why should I be shocked? Because that's when 60 Minutes used to be, and 60 Minutes used to be a highly rated show back in the day. The Simpsons, what they're on season 74, I think. That's their night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's go through some news here. Again, Henderson, you know, I, I really want him to get the Bellator title one day. And I think Scott Coker announced there might be a lightweight Grand Prix headed headed our way soon. I just don't know if they have the bodies or if they have the names to fill out eight, much less 16. If they do, great. Maybe sign some free agents, but... You yeah. can't let PFL be having a better 55 division than you. You've been in existence two times longer than they have. And you probably have a bigger budget than they have as well. But anyway, we move on. Uh, here's a little bit of like little news nuggets that I wanted to touch on. Alexio Lennon goes, 45 years of age. He's going for submission record against Queen Latifah on Saturday. They fight at UFC Fight Night 211. Some of you newbies that listen to the show, Queen Latifah is Ilir Latifi. We've told him that to his face. He says, that's cool. Uh, maybe he had a deeper voice than that. But he is going to be fighting. Uh, I, I like Alexio Lenegos. If you were to go, give me 10 of your top favorite fighters, he'd be in it, believe it or not. Really? Not because he's old. Not because he's does these incredible moves. It's just that he just chugs along. He's got 60 pro wins. He's got almost 80 fights, to, you know, because 60 and the 15 losses and the one t- draw that he had. Nine and six in the UFC, you know, is uh, respectable. He's fought in the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. He just keeps doing his thing. Oh, goes And of those 60 wins, he's got 55 finishes, bro. That is crazy. 47 of them are by submission. And 36 of those 47 stoppages mm-hmm. um, by submission, thir- 38, sorry, I've been in the first round. Like, those are some incredible little stats. And he's got his little thing going with the Ezekiel choke. And then, all right, second round, I start to tire because I'm old. But he just seems he seems to be dangerous, and he always seems to keep it exciting on the ground just because, I get, again, he's got all these different uh, ways to finish you, choking you out. I don't think it's happening this weekend. I think Latifi is one of my favorite fighters just because He's just a grinder, dude. He doesn't go away. He's in your face the whole time. He's putting you in positions you don't want to be in. That's actually one of the fights I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, me too. All right, we'll, we'll maybe have to do a Chipotle bet. What happened the last time we did a Chipotle bet? Who won? I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah. I remember you did it. It might have been a watch-along or something, but damn. I felt like I felt, I felt good when I made that bet. Um, maybe Galley from Toronto will remember. UFC Fight Night 211 commentary team. This has kind of become a big deal the last few years where we find out who's on the call 
and people actually talk about it. So here we go. On the desk, Karen Bryant, Michael Chiesa. They'll be joined by Rashad Evans. The roving reporter will be Megan Olivi. The octagon announcer will be Bruce Buffer. And the cage side commentators, this is a rare threesome here. Cruz, Dominic Cruz, Paul Felder, and John Anik. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the biggest Dominic Cruz fan um, as far as his commentary goes. I think he just kind of it's a little bit of Captain No Fun, you know, and I, and I think that kind of like drowns out the other guys. Mm-hmm. I think it puts pressure on the other analysts because I think he kind of makes them feel like they have to say something important now. Not that they don't, but just kills the mood a little bit. So it's, for me, it's not one of my favorite ones. Okay. How about this? I'm trying to find out a way in which I won't offend everybody by saying this. Uh-oh. Jameer Ismagulov versus Arman Sarukian targeted for December fight night on for you. So, sorry, let me start over. Damir Ismagulov versus Arman Sarukian targeted for UFC fight night on December 17th. Goes, being that I do the rankings, I get an extra reminder. I get an extra reminder that sometimes the rest of the staff doesn't as to who some of these cats are or who they just beat or whatever. Um, and I'm not saying that's the case with you, but like I see that, I'm like, hell yeah, those are some good fighters right there. And I can't wait to see them. However, I'm wondering if the casual audience, if they get pumped up about it because they're just, they're foreigners. And most of a lot of the times they're not English speaking foreigners. They're not easy to relate to. They, they're not catchy. So when you watch someone fight, when you can tell when they're catchy or they have that it factor is when you tend to remember who they are. Oh, Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, man, the hat, the duster, or, or the this, the that, or whatever. You know, he has something that makes you remember him. But is Magulov, Sarukin, you're like, oh, my God, okay, yeah, what, what did they do again? Like, they, they don't jump off the page for you, but that's a great fight booking. You feel what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know that that's too insulting. I get what you're saying. That happens from time to time. Uh, but yeah, the fight. I mean, we we're just talking about it. like Olenek and Latifi is kind of like one of those fights. Unless you're like a hardcore, uh, you might not be too thrilled about that. Yeah, Isma Gulas twenty four and one overall, five and zero in the UFC, and Sarukian's eighteen and three overall and five and two in the UFC. So these are really, really some top, top cats that will be mixing it up uh, on that fight card. I think it's the last fight card of the year. On that same fight card, Julian Marquez, the Cuban musical crisis uh, versus Duran Wynn. Uh, let's see here. Amir Albazi versus Alex Perez. That's a good fight. Hmm. We are being invaded by Eastern Europeans. There's some great fighters coming out of Russia. Kazakhstan, uh, Uzbekistan, you know, other countries that I struggle to pronounce, <laughs> Poland, or whatever. There's really, really great fighters, and some, and they are starting to take over the UFC a little bit. That's a shout-out to them. Waves. Huh? It goes in waves, right? If you look at the history of the sport, Brazilians, then the UK kind of came along, Japanese fighters. It goes in waves. Um, but, yeah, like, 
when the Brazilians came along, everybody had to work on their Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Then the American wrestler kind of took over. So, yeah, well, we'll see how long this trend comes. But the one thing I'll tell you about them is they, they're not out there getting in trouble. You know, they are dedicated. They're in the gym. They don't, if they lose, it's because the other guy's better. You rarely look at one of those guys and say it's because they had an off night. They're not filming TikToks at a steakhouse or nothing nope. like that? Mm-mm. Yeah, they grind. That's for sure. I guess what I was getting at is if you look at the lineup and you have to read Tafan Nachukwi versus Jamal Hogues, Sergey Morosov versus Journey Newsom, um, Albert Durea versus Mikhail Olechetnik, you might look at that card and go, nah, that's, that's, not, that's not worth it. Let's just go out that night, babe, or, you know, whatever. When in reality, those are some killers. But anyway. Let's not make a bigger deal out of it than it is. Shout out to those fighters, really. They're they're good fighters, and that's a solid, solid fight booking. All right. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, man, he's a free agent now. He's no longer with one. He says everyone's reaching out, but he is 39 years of age, does have some mileage, some wear and tear on him, goes, where do you want to see him land? I have a feeling he's going to end up somewhere like PFL. Um, Eddie Alvarez, like, he didn't have the best run over there at one championship. So you're right. I think maybe the mileage is starting to show up. But then, you know, look at a guy like Demetrius Johnson. He kind of had a hiccup too. So I think what it was is just when people leave the UFC, I think they kind of have a little bit of an ego. You know, I fought the best in the world when you go somewhere like a one or a PFL or, or a Bellator, and you have that little hiccup, right? We saw a lot of fighters do that in PFL. Um, but I did, I expected a little bit more out of Eddie Alvarez because he was one of those guys before that came from Bellator that was trying to prove himself, and he was able to do that in the UFC. So I think I think he could still get moments of a great Eddie Alvarez, but uh, I think those days are, are a little bit uh, gone as far as what we had from him in the UFC. But I think PFL is probably somewhere where he could land. He didn't realize just how nasty Tim Nasty over at one championship was in his first fight. And then he beat Edward Foley-Yang. Nice. Uh, The no contest versus Yuri Lapikas. I don't know if you remember that, but the punches to the head, all that stuff on one, on TNT one. But then he did lose a decision to OK Ray Yoon. So, yeah, a little bit of a struggle over there. I think PFL is the perfect landing spot for him. Or guess what, goes? Weren't we just talking about a Bellator Grand Prix? It'd be nice yeah. to take down a Grand Prix, a $1 million check, and, uh, you know, a skin on the wall like Benson Henderson uh, or P- P- Patricio hit Bull Frady. That'd be pretty cool, too. Patricio. Yeah, I'm kind of missing Terry Smith saying that. You need names like that to make things exciting, and he's been part of things like that in the past, so I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Hey, real quick, remember I mentioned John Lineker's name? Mm-hmm. Uh, these are some of the wins he's had. He lost to Corey Sanhagen. Sorry. He beat Bibiano Fernandez, but he did beat Brian Kelleher, Marlon Vera, John Dodson, Rob Font. Like, those are some really, really good. I mean, there's some other ones too, but I'm talking about some of the more relevant ones from that are still ca- kind of fighting that are doing well. And now he's a champion over there at, at one championship. So shout out to him. He's like 32 years of age, by the way. So... Uh, Kevin Holland, man, what's with this premature retirement? You know, look, I like the guy, so I hate saying this. But he kind of sounded like a big baby when he said what he when he said what he did. I knew he wasn't serious. I might be wrong, 
and maybe that was the last time we seen him. He said he made his money and he ducks out. And I guess we're supposed to go great. Duck out before you get hurt. Brain trauma is no good. Blah, blah, blah. But, bro, this guy loves to fight. Fighting seems like no big deal to him. He doesn't even seem scared to fight anybody. Even if he threw him in there against Francis, he'd say, let's go. Mm-hmm. But uh, as soon as he said it, I could just tell he's bitter about something. Maybe the media, maybe the fans, who knows. Uh, he needs to learn how to shake it off. And a lot of fighters are running into this where they're starting to sound like big babies. Yeah. I mean, I don't see him going away. For me, rather than hear a fighter retire, I want to hear he's out of the east side of pool. That to me is like one of the bigger indications that somebody's about to retire or that's going to retire. And they're serious about it. I think Kevin Holland was just going through a moody, moody point in his life. And I understand that, you know, you're, you just failed, but you failed in front of millions of people. Right. I get it. It was rough. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can't still cash checks and still fight. Attention seeker, I guess. I don't know, but don't think this only applies to MMA. I see it in the other sports. You know who's a big, big wuskos, big baby is uh, Kevin Durant. Holy cow. I don't know if you've ever followed mm-hmm. him, but he's always griping about something. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Colby versus Hamzat Shemaev. <sighs> if that goes down, that's nice. That's nice. That's a good fight. Uh, so Dana White was talking about how the matchmakers are kind of split down the middle on whether or not Hamzat should give welterweight another try or go up to middleweight. If he does give it another shot, then yeah, this absolutely makes sense. Uh, you could sell it on so many different angles, the trash talk, USA, right? Uh, there's a lot that you could you could do with this fight. I'm of the opinion that Hamzat should go up to middleweight, but if you keep him at welterweight and, and you're confident that he is going to fight, remember, Colby Covington's not the easiest dude to deal with. Colby said to me, seems like a guy that would say, well, he didn't make weight. He's not fighting me. I, just seems like that type of situation. So you have to be very confident that this guy's going to make the the weight. But uh, I like the matchup. Well, he needs to fight someone else at 171 before we book him for a fight against the winner of Leon Edwards versus Kamar Usman. I think that's too much of a risk to just go straight into that fight have after this fiasco that we just had um he destroyed kevin holland i get it but kevin holland isn't to middleweight or to that catch weight what colby covington has been the welterweight for a long time and that's a a true stern test you want to get to uzman you got to go through covington and not many people have been able to do that so i would love to see that fight i'd love to see it over five rounds um, but see, Covington needs to have a reward too. If Covington beats Shamayev, now what? I guess does he get that third fight versus Usman if Usman beats Edwards? Because if Edwards beats Usman and now it's 2 1 Edwards, Usman's out of the picture, then Covington yeah. would easily deserve to be next against Leon Edwards. Because Jorge Mazadal needs to do something. He needs to do something where he racks up two quick wins so that if Edwards does beat Usman, he can go, hey, what's up? Three, three, uh, I almost said three pies. Uh, three piece in a soda, baby. What's up? Let's run that back. You know, if he wants to play that card, he has to get some wins. Where's Jorge Masvidal, by the way? I don't know. Every time I see him, he's, he's doing something pretty cool, but it has nothing to do with fighting. <laughs> yeah. 
That's true. Um, all right. Well, if, if it happens, it happens. It's not official yet by no means, but it, apparently it's out there. PFL, they want to go to pay-per-view. Is he cool with that? Nah. Um, I love PFL, but you have to give me one hell of a card uh, for me to – because every month I got to give the UFC their money, right? That's become one of my bills. It's just it's, – it's a monthly bill. Sometimes you get dinged twice. So if I'm going to do that um, – you got to give me something pretty good. I remember Bellator kind of giving this a try one time, and the card was decent. But yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, unless it's unless it's like twenty bucks or something like that, it's going to be hard to sell me on that. Yeah, I think I, I was saying on Fight League Report with Sean Lennon. Shout out to him. He has me on his show from time to time. I was telling him, come strong. More than likely, I will will want to support you because I root for the promotions. This might be the only time you get me, only because it's the first time, but come strong for sure, and then let's see how it goes. But, yeah, it's tough because you're already committed to UFC, and then Discovery, Peacock, HBO, this, that, whatever, Apple One, you know, it, all those little all those little sites, all these, these streaming services, like little piranhas taking a piece out of me every month. You know, you can't just sit around and go, yeah, here's another 20, 40, 60, whatever it is. That's why boxing – you don't hear us talking too much about it as much anymore. We kind of just wait for the highlight or wait for the invite because it's it's just too much. But anyway, we got to get out out of here, folks. There's a lot of great stories on the site. Barbosa, man, he's out of that fight against Ilya Taporia. We wrote about that. Uh, one on Prime Video 2, you got Angela Lee, and she's going to be fighting her rival, uh, Zhang Jingnan. And this is their trilogy where they've both beaten each other at their different weight classes. Great story on that. Check that out. Lots of other fight bookings that took place. I think Kelvin Gaston's got a uh, Nasruddin Imavov. So check it out. Lots of great stories on MMA Junkie. The app is free for your smartphones and tablets. And, of course, on social media. We are everywhere. But give that YouTube uh, channel a subscribe. Goes and I. Though we were off last week, you can see us there on Spinning Back Click. Every Tuesday, it's youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. And lastly, on social media, I'm at MMA Junkie George. And Goes is at the Goes. The radio show is at the radio show. Or sorry, at MMA Junkie Radio. We're out of here, folks. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.